LeeTDickey.com. Well, hello everybody, Lee Dickey here. Welcome to another episode of the Beats and Speaks podcast. We are on location again. I am sitting at a picnic table in the courtyard of a municipal office here locally in Toronto. And I present to you this week another interview with another fantastic guest. My guest this week, Derek Derek Kanas. He is a DJ from Brunswick, Georgia, and he got in touch with me and wanted to tell his story. He was born with a heart condition and has gone through several procedures and operations to sort of manage that condition, but he also has AIDS. And we get into how he got it, why he got it, and along with, you know, we we discuss his medical issues, but we also discuss his passion for music, various sort of rapid fire topics like his favorite movie, his favorite food, what it's like in Georgia where he is, and he was just a fantastic guy to have on. I couldn't, again, I couldn't have asked for uh, another fantastic guest. The first couple episodes with interviews on the Beats and Speaks podcast, I've had completely rock solid, top notch guests. And, you know, Derek Kanas, Derek Kanas is no exception. He was fantastic. We got into his medical issues, his passion for music, the fact that he's an AIDS activist and keeps the word out there about that disease he's a top-notch guy a real nice gentleman and i really couldn't have asked for a better guest so that's enough of me rambling on let's get into the interview right before i get into that right before i give you that interview i want to tell you where you can find the beats and speaks podcast the beats and speaks podcast is available on my official website leetdickey.com iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. I ask you, will you write a review? Write us a review, and I will feature it on my website, front and center. You'll see your name, and, you know, I'll even shout you out on the podcast. So leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform, and I will feature it on my website and on the podcast. Okay? But the Beats and Speaks podcast releases new episodes every Friday at midnight Eastern time, on iTunes, Spotify, and your preferred podcast app and player of choice. So go find us on your favorite podcast app. Write us a review. Listen to the episodes. More interviews like this are coming. It's just been a total ride. I couldn't have asked for a better audience and better guests so far. I'm hyped for where this show is going to go, and I hope you guys are equally as excited to hear them. So, without further ado, let's get into the interview. And before I forget, last this is the last interruption before we get into the interview. Find us on YouTube by searching Lee Dickey TV. That is L-E-I-G-H-D-I-C-K-E-Y TV. And if you want to be a guest on the Beats and Speaks podcast, email me at Lee T. Dickey. That's L-E-I-G-H-T-D-I-C-K-E-Y at gmail.com and we can go from there and you can hear yourself on a future episode of the Beats and Speaks podcast. Now that all that housekeeping is out of the way, let's get into the Derek 
Direct Canass interviews. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further delay, here is Derek Direct Canass, DJ, AIDS activist from Georgia, coming your way right now on the Beats and Speaks podcast. Hey, this is Direct. You're listening to the Beats and Speaks podcast with Lee Dickey. I see here that, like, the story that you sent me. First off, thank you for coming on the Beats and Speaks podcast. I appreciate the fact that you reached out and wanted to come on the show. And I appreciate the time that you're taking today. But um, you mentioned here that, you're, that you went through a whole bunch of, uh, I suppose, like ailments and doctor's appointments. You were surrounded by doctors you know, from the age of three or, well, since you're three months, was there, like, did the doctors ever figure out what was going on? And um, what well, they knew about and the heart condition from uh, three months, that's what initiated the entire sequence of events that is now coming up on 35 years of, uh, doctor teams from then on and, and they call you the terminator do they yes so, so you so you're giving arnold a run for his money i trying to not i'm um, in physicality but just in the in strength category yeah when it, i see here, it says that they called you a or well in quotations a battery operated son can you elaborate a little more on that um, after, when I was uh, three months old, I was diagnosed with a congenital heart defect known as transposition of the great arteries. And what, it, what that means is So my body was getting unoxygenated blood and the oxygenated blood was just flowing around my heart and lungs. And um, so my lips would turn. And I look really crazy. Like, if you take me to an airport, we're going to get to meet a lot of TSA agents. Because I look really bad if they put me through the scanner. As every bone in my chest has been broken and stapled back together. And there's um, two sets of wires and a battery pack. Just holding you together and keeping you running. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, I hate, I don't mean to sound insensitive, but you're basically a car. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm, I'm on my fifth pacemaker now, and this one is actually the wildest one I've ever had because it is Bluetooth. And I have a wand, and I have to scan the pacemaker about every three months. Mm-hmm. And it sends a, a three-month report to my cardiologist. So, and, and I suppose that's how they keep an eye on you, just to make sure that everything's running smoothly and yeah. that there are basically no hiccups. Yeah. 
Um, I can, I can't imagine like how your parents reacted to that whole thing. What was that like for them? Um, I, I assume it was shocking. It was probably pretty shocking to my entire family. And the entire process was the original surgery. Um, after it, I was in the hospital. I was in intensive care for three months. And I battled uh, with uh, different infections, kidneys almost shut down. I had multiple blood transfusions throughout the three months and everything. It was, it was a rough, rough time that I, I was lucky to survive. Um, well, I can, I can only imagine that. And quite frankly, maybe I even mentally don't even want to. Uh, so I see here that you're a, a social ambassador for the Yes Get Tested in um, Coachella Valley. Can you tell us a little more about that? Yes. Well, the way that happened was about five years ago, I uh, decided to step into an arena of activism for HIV and AIDS mm -hmm. because during the original surgery and all those blood transfusions in 1985, I um, sadly got HIV and I wasn't, wasn't diagnosed until 16 years later. And by that time it had progressed to AIDS. And I have uh, multiple health issues because of that. It affected uh, my ability to grow. It's put a curve in my spine and destroyed an immune system, which I've thankfully rebuilt thanks to meds and everything. And yes, get tested Coachella Valley and was one of the first uh, groups that, when they heard my story, wanted to partner with me and help me tell my story because it is a very unique uh, perspective on the virus and the disease and it's just a story that is very very unique so i mean i can only imagine that but so direct can you take me through like a typical day in your life knowing that you have aids and you have a pacemaker. Just what does a typical day look like for you? And usually I get up and I get my dogs up. I let them out. I'll go uh, get breakfast, get coffee. And it's pretty uh, normal. I play video games. I check all my messages and stuff on the website. I have my website that I do all my activism work from. And um, I deal with anything that has come up overnight there and I don't take my meds until nighttime but luckily now I'm down to um, I think about seven meds I take all together at night so it's not bad but um, about well say 18 years ago mm -hmm. I was taking over 22 meds a day so there's been a a big uh, progression of dropping meds. So science has really moved fast in terms of the HIV medications and things like that. So that's really incredible. Yeah, I mean, if you're down from uh, 22 to seven a day, that's that's 
remarkable, really. How fast? Yeah, and only only three of the seven are for um for the HIV. Wow. Virus. And I the rest I, are um, just uh, meds for uh, heart issues. Yeah, I, I suppose the other four are for the uh, your um, cardiology issues, I suppose. But, um, I mean, as nice as this is, like, I, you're following your dreams, which is, I guess, like, the big takeaway from having you on the show. You're a DJ. Yeah. So, if you're out, say, performing at a venue, what would, be, like, a typical playlist look like for you? Uh, my playlist is going to evolve as the night evolves. So it's going to start probably in the 70s and move up through the ages as the night progresses because your crowd earlier is older. And then as the night progresses, your crowd becomes younger and younger. So it actually works backwards in the way people would think it would work. So is there a typical era in music that you particularly enjoy? I like the 80s. I like the 80s rock. I like the big ballads and the, just the loud guitars and stuff. That's what gets me hyped up. So like Motley Crue, Rat. Oh, yeah. Band, bands like that. Yeah, the hair bands, the typical like give me an entire bottle of hairspray and just oh up. yeah, I went uh, last year and saw all Poison and a uh, Cheap Trick on tour. Saw them live. Um, seen Foreigner. I've tried to see as many of those those guys that are still touring as I can, and they're all. And it's always fun. It's fun yeah, to go to a concert where you know every song. You know the words to every song. And the band just kind of kicks off, and they might sing the first verse, and then the rest of it's just crowd. And the and the only thing stopping you from getting on stage is the security. Yeah, I mean, uh, and a couple a lot of times I'll go to venues, and security guys will know me because they've been to clubs that I've worked at, <laughs> and they'll see me, and they'll be like, "Yeah, you come up." Come on, come up on stage. Come on the side stage. So the perks of being an entertainer yourself, right? Just sort of like, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll get you up a little closer. You want an autograph too? Yeah, I mean, I've had that happen many times, you know, just being grabbed out of the crowd by a random security guy and going, hey, we saw you the other night working. Come on, get up here. Not supposed to be in the crowd. <laughs> You ever get tempted, like, say you you get up and cl- up close and personal, or you manage to get around a security guard that you don't know, and get up to the you know right up to the band. You ever get tempted and say, you know what? Here's my card. Just give me a call. <laughs> no, I've never done that. I I did that. I had one band. I worked in a club that we had bands, and we had a a couple that were touring. They were around the country and one band actually did want to take me on tour with them but i was uh 
I wasn't in a position to be traveling at that time, or I would have taken it. It would have been great to go out and do shows with 2,000, 3,000 people in front of me. I can only, I mean, I've played myself because I, I work as an entertainer as well. Um, I've played myself in front of like fairly large crowds. Um, and I prefer the larger crowds, but what about yourself? You prefer the larger crowds or the smaller, intimate venues? I love the large crowds. And I, I mean, that's a rush you can't, can't recreate anywhere else. And it's something that I'm, I always want to do. I love, love the big events, the big venues. I like being able to start a song and get a crowd so into it that I can drop the volume back and have the crowd sing the song to me. I, and that's, I, that's just so much fun to me. I worked a uh, concert one time for... Um, Colt Ford. I don't know if you know who that country guy is. Oh, I know who Colt Ford is. I know. But I opened for him in um at a venue at a it was some that it was out in the middle of nowhere. They just bought out this big farm, and I was the opening DJ, and I had the crowd singing so loud that when Colt got on stage, he. He came up to me and he goes, I've never heard a crowd that loud when I'm sitting in my tour bus trying to hype myself up. I said, I apologize for that. And he goes, no, don't apologize. He said, that is insane. And that he is just, incredible. I'm sure you just made his job a whole lot easier. Yeah, that's what he said. He said, you just made this so much easier for my entire band. I mean, I'm sure he just kind of tapped you on the shoulder and said, thanks, kid. And just got on stage. Yeah. Um, uh, I just like let's switch things up a little bit um, if say you had like a, a musical Mount Rushmore who would be on there uh, for me oh gosh um, well personally Vanilla Ice because I'm that's just I'm known with that song and I'll tell you that story in a minute. Mm -hmm. um, there'd be um, Humpty from Digital Underground. Okay. There'd be um, Garth Brooks and Prince. That's a solid, solid lineup. I mean, I, I can't argue with that at all. I mean, but you mentioned Vanilla Ice and Ice Ice Baby, I'm assuming. Yeah. So what's the story behind that? And um, when I was about say eighteen and just shy of nineteen, a friend of mine started getting me into a nightclub with her. And this is when everybody had computers with C D burners and Napster was a thing and everybody was burning CDs. Well, the, that was my thing. I was the guy that made the CDs for everybody. In the early days of like the peer-to-peer -peer and like the downloading era, yeah. Yeah. Well, these CDs started making their way into this club. And the DJ had no clue what to play off these CDs. He's like, I, know, I don't even know who these bands are. 
I don't know who these tracks are. So, so I would end up behind the DJ booth with him and feeding him songs and ideas and getting the disc out and saying, you know, play this number on this one, this on this, this on this. And it was working to the point that the guy finally said, you need to do this professionally. And I was, I was just like, well, if you, if you, if you can teach me what all those buttons and switches do, I'll help you in the music. And that's how the DJ thing started. But before that, this club was also a karaoke club. And I was scared to death to ever do karaoke. And one night, I just got enough nerve up, and I picked what's probably the goofiest song I could pick, which was Ice Ice Baby. And this is at a point in time when everybody had just got the flip phones with camera. And the club had wireless microphones. And when I got my opportunity, I ran through the entire club singing. And I had everybody up and going crazy. And I didn't think anything of it. Went home that night. We had a great time. Everybody had fun. And the next week, I get a phone call from the owner saying, where are you at? I'm like, what do you mean where am I at? I'm at home. He said, no, I saw the video. You need to get back here. And then when I got back there, he told me, he said, you've got a job here if you want it. So this is before like the whole advent of viral video. You basically... In a in a way, set fire to the club with Ice Ice Baby, and you just yeah, I was you, known for a long time as just Ice Ice Baby. People, that's how everybody knew me. Before I ever had a DJ name, I was just Ice Ice Baby. Where does the name um, Drek actually come from? It's a play on my own name, Derek. But I call myself Drek because I've been reconstructed so many times and so many surgeries and everything that I'm just a, I'm basically just a wreck of a human being. It's just kind of pieced and glued and taped back together. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, if it holds you together, then they did something right. You know what I mean? And I'm sure the world is happy that you're here with us just rocking out and living your dream yeah i'm just uh i'm a mess i mean i'm not i'm just a big piece of scar tissue with a little bit of humor and a lot of musical knowledge wrapped around it well i mean that's i mean all, all that most people ask i'm sure is that you're here and you're doing the best you can with what you got, and uh, you, you're living life to the fullest. So, I mean, I just want to do a little rapid fire with you. Okay. Uh, last movie you saw? Um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. What do you think of it, actually? Because I'm intrigued by it, so I, I want to get your opinion. I, I was kind of let down by it. 
I thought it was going in a direction that it didn't really go in. Okay. I, uh, I mean, personally, I was like, okay, well, another Leo DiCaprio film. I'm like, yeah, sure. We'll do that. But, uh, I, I, cause I'm intrigued by the whole, the film itself. So to get someone else's opinion on it, I'm always happy for it. But to hear that it didn't quite sort of meet your expectations, I'm just kind of disappointed now. Not sure I want to spend the money on the ticket. Um, most embarrassing song on your playlist? Oh, um, whatever that new uh, girl Lizzo, her new newest track. Okay. Um, favorite TV show? Uh, the Ranch on Netflix. It's too bad they canceled that, eh? Yeah, I mean, I'm anxious to see how they wrap it all up. I just uh, finished the current season the other day. Sad to see it, Gray. Well, I mean, like, because I'm in and out in terms of, like, Netflix, and I do watch The Ranch, and, like, I'm a big fan of that 70s show. So to see Kutcher and uh, Danny Masterson come back and, you know, do The Ranch on Netflix, I suppose... Like, I can understand why they got uh, canceled it because of, uh, you know, Masterson's no longer with the show. Yeah. And it he was pretty much, like, an integral part to it. And what are you going to do, right, if ratings drop and people aren't watching it? But, it's yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sad to see it go, you know. Uh, favorite thing from your childhood? Uh, Nintendo. I wasn't um, able to go outside and play a whole lot. Spent a lot of time inside with Nintendo. Favorite I'm an game? avid gamer still to this day. Favorite game on the Nintendo? Uh, Duck Hunt. You know, everybody says that. Every, like, everybody says Duck Hunt. I mean, what, what is the, the draw or the aura around Duck Hunt that you, you particularly enjoy that would call it your favorite game? I don't know. I think it's just the fact, like, the shooter games just kind of let you get out some frustration that you can get during the day. Like, I know I'll get frustrated during the day, and sometimes if I get overwhelmed, I'll, I'll turn the Xbox on and play around on Call of Duty and then get back to work just to just kind of clears your mind, just kind of lets you get past that just, frustration block in your mind easy stress relief i mean you know yeah who need, who needs a stress ball when i've got an xbox um uh, let's see so if if you could look back at your life in say 20 years what would be what would you say is your biggest accomplishment now Biggest accomplishment I for me personally is the fact I've made it long enough to have five pacemakers. And I've told my family I'm going for ten. That's my goal. <laughs> I'm shooting to have ten of these things. Well, I'm sure you'll get there. I mean, you're halfway there, right? Yeah. 
And uh, I was the last time I went to the cardiologist, that they were actually telling me if I would have waited, been able to wait like six more months longer than that, longer than when I'd gotten this implanted. They have one now that I don't even have to check, that the doctor can just log into it from their computer and they can get the reports whenever they want. So they wouldn't even have to call you in. Yeah, so I wouldn't even have to worry about it at all. So the next time I get one, I mean, there's no telling what technology we'll be at. Like right now, I know, like, I have a battery life on my pacemaker. Right. But I'd actually kill one. So I'm not dependent totally on a pacemaker. Yeah, but I mean, it must take, like, some effort to kill a pacemaker. I'm intrigued. Yeah, like, was, what, what did you do uh, working, to it? I was working nonstop. When I finally got uh, the ability to DJ, I was working five to six days every week, out till three, four in the morning, sleep all day, get up, do it again. So you're just and burning. I the- did that for eight years. And so- I completely killed one and the last one when they finally got the chance to check it we had been in battery alert mode for two years oh geez <laughs> so i mean you're basically burning the candle at both ends and they're just well you know you kind of like at the end of this one there direct yeah i mean i i've i've got a medical team finally that stays on top of me really well and will call me a week ahead of time to go, you can't cancel this appointment. <laughs> and you're going to be here. So, and I need that because I'm really bad. I kind of have a, I don't know what you would call it, I guess a Superman complex. Like, I don't, I don't ever... I don't feel bad. And the way my doctor has explained it to me is because of the original surgery and the infection and everything happening at such an early age, by the time I gained consciousness of my own body and what pain is and everything, that my pain threshold is so high by the time I get to a doctor and say something's hurting, it's usually pretty major. Yeah. I mean, well, I can only imagine that, but so you basically grew into the, you grew into your pain threshold. Yeah. And I grew into a extremely high pain threshold. So it's, it's very dangerous as as entertaining as it is to me, it's terrifying for my doctor. Yeah, I mean, because they're the ones entrusted with basically keeping you alive. And they know if I'm in the office, like something's been hurting probably for months. By the time I finally said, yeah, I should probably go get that checked out. Yeah, it's only been half a year. Yeah. Uh, has there any, like, have your doctors basically said anything to the effect of you know you can't do this forever yeah and, and i've actually had a doctor tell me that 
that if I wake up feeling too good, can go go see them, go to the office. But that seems like because, the, the opposite effect of what they want. Yeah, when I when I actually had killed the pacemaker, once it had died, I started feeling incredible. And I was running two miles a day up until that appointment. And my doctor explained it to me. He said, it was, he said, the reason you felt so good was it was the first time your heart had ever been without a machine that was there to kind of keep it under control. He said, so you kind of unlocked your heart, basically. And that's why you were feeling so good. But the thing with the heart is my heart rate, I didn't realize, was at 36 beats a minute by the time I actually got to a cardiologist. Oh, boy. I could... Which is now why I have a smartwatch that keeps track of that daily. Yeah. Minute to minute. <laughs> because I'm not good at keeping track of stuff like that. Well, I mean, your life's so busy, I can only imagine where you're just like, something's got to skip your you know basically be at the back of your mind but pretty much skip down a little bit and the neat thing the newest pacemaker is actually a is a passive pacemaker because they went in they did this pacemaker but right after they went in and did a nine-hour cardiac ablation surgery on me because my heart has a bad habit of falling out of rhythm and I get an atrial flutter, which is becoming really, really common around the country because of energy drinks and, st and espresso coffees and stuff. Caffeine has mm -hmm. real adverse effects on your heart. And um, so they put this pacemaker in and they did that ablation and the ablation is basically they went in and they burned every bit of scar tissue that they could find on my heart. And I've got a video of it, which I can send to you, which is pretty neat to watch. But there's thousands of little marks where it lights up, where it shows where they burn, burn out all these scars. And the last time, my, my last cardiologist appointment, I had seven years battery on the pacemaker when they put it in and when they checked it, it had not even fired. So I still have seven years. It's been in there a year and my heart has been working excellent since the ablation. So it's and like it an, hasn't had to step in. So it's like an extended warranty almost. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what my doctor said. He said, you got an extra year out of it. I mean, that's, Almost like the best deal ever. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I always, I'm the weird, like, I'm the, usually the youngest out of my group of friends, but I'm also the oldest when it comes to, like, how I view time and what we're doing. And I don't like sitting around and not doing anything. I want to get 10 things accomplished every day. So you're wise, you're wise beyond fragile, your years. And I know how fragile life is. Yeah. 
I mean, I I have the dumb Superman complex, but I also have the reality. Like I'm able to flip those two throughout the day to keep everything <clears throat> as real as I can keep it. Oh, that's fair. Um, so you live in Georgia, right? Yes. How far are you outside of Atlanta? Uh, about five hours. I'm on the coast. Uh, okay, so you're St. on the Thomas, other side. St. Thomas Island, uh, Jekyll Island area. Okay. What Did you grow up there or? Yes. Yes, I've grown up here. So what is your, what's like a typical Georgia day for like DRAC? If you're not like in the office and you're not worrying about anything, are you just sort of outside, like on the bank of a river somewhere? Um, usually I try to be, yeah, I like, uh, I like going to, to the beach and going and sitting, sitting on the pier, watching the ocean. And lately it's been really fun to watch the ocean because of the tropical storms that keep, keep skirting the coast. That's yeah. really turned the ocean up and it's real chaotic. I, I like, uh, chaos like that. I like seeing that. I really relate to that. And the fact that I get it, I get the chaos of it. I, I love seeing that manifested in nature. Well, I can I can see why you get the chaos if you you're running so hard that you killed the pacemaker, and you're looking out at the pier and you see a tropical storm come by. Like, yeah, yeah, it was fun. I went uh, the other night. I went to dinner with family, and we went to the oceanfront restaurant and you can see the ocean from uh, the restaurant while you're eating and I was sitting there and I sat beside a guy that was from <clears throat> he was from the Midwest and he was talking about how wild it was to see the waves kick up like that and I was telling him I said it's extremely dangerous You're like don't go out there and go you know past your calf deep because it can pull you out and I was pointing out where the rip currents were. And this guy was going, that is insane that you can see that and call that just from sitting here. And I said, well, I grew up here. I know every, I, it's just from growing up near the ocean. Like I can go to Midwest and I, I don't know a damn thing about what's going on. You know, it's, it's just knowing your surroundings. It's knowing the area. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, you mentioned but he like, just thought it was so cool. He was like, I didn't know that. I said, yeah, thousands of people die every year because of rip currents. He said, you can't. The ocean is way more powerful than people want to believe. Too they, many people get out there and think it's just a big pool. Yeah. And it's not. So, well, it's, well, you mentioned you were at a restaurant and you spotted some rip currents. What is your, what's, what's your favorite meal? Me, I love crab legs. Is Sit me down in a in front of a big plate of crab legs, and I'm extremely happy. So just like seafood, shellfish, that <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah. 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 Just I've been raised around it, ate it like crazy. 
I'm envious. I'm not going to lie. I actually can't eat any uh, shellfish or like anything that comes out of the ocean. But um, oh, wow. I, I'm, I'm allergic. Yeah. Yeah, my dad's uh, allergic to fish like that. <clears throat> so, I mean... And- It'll, it'll, it's, it's a bad time for me, but I, I'm all, I'm always like happy that people get to enjoy it. You know, and I almost wish that well, I there's could. There's plenty of great restaurants that have great steaks and stuff with seafood around here. I mean, there's some great, great places. Well, the next time I'm, I'm in Georgia, I'll have to look you up. Yeah, there's a, there's some really nice uh, restaurants. There's some great places to go to see some really really pretty sunsets over the water and alligators if you want to go see some really big alligators there's a restaurant that's on the tidal river and you can sit there and see 15 foot gators come swimming up i just sort of like yeah come for the food stay for the show right Oh yeah, there's uh, there's plenty to see. There's there's plenty of wildlife and crazy stuff. There's an island right off the coast called uh, Cumberland that's a national park and there's wild horses on that and you can take a ferry over there and there's horse rides and stuff you can do. Or if you just like photography, there's photographers that come just to go to that island all the time. It sounds absolutely majestic. Um, just quickly before we wrap up, like if anybody wants to find you on social media, where can they find you? And uh, Derek Canis dot com, D E R E K C A N A S dot com. Well, Derek or Derek Canis, um, I appreciate the fact that. You came on the show, and thank you for coming on the Beats and Speaks podcast. It was a pleasure having you on. Um, it's a pleasure hearing your story and just shooting the breeze with you, my friend. Thanks again for coming on, and uh, I'm sure we'll have you on again. Keep rocking out. Keep enjoying those crab legs, and just keep living, my friend. <laughs> thank you so much. Talk to I, you soon. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Well, there it is. Another episode of the Beats and Speaks podcast. This week featuring Derek Derek Kanas. I want to thank Derek again for coming on the show, reaching out and telling his story. If you guys want to find out more about Derek Derek Kanas, you can go to his official website, Derek D-E-R-E-K Kanas C-A-N-A-S dot com. You can find, all, find out all about his music, how to book him, the interviews he's done, his AIDS activism, everything about this guy. He's just a fantastic, fantastic man. And I loved having him on. I'm sure we'll have him on in the near future. Thank you again to Derek Kanas for reaching out and coming on the Beats and Speaks podcast this week. This concludes another episode of the Beats and Speaks podcast. Thanks for listening. I've been your host, Lee Dickey. A reminder, you can find the Beats and Speaks podcast Every Friday, new episodes release at midnight Eastern time on my official website, leetdickey.com. Find us on YouTube by searching Lee Dickey TV. 
and your favorite podcast app and player of choice, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, you name it, it's there. And if you want to be a guest on a future episode of the Beats and Speaks podcast and tell your story, shoot the breeze and have good old-fashioned conversation, email me at leetdickey at gmail.com. All right, thanks again for listening. Please comment, like, share, and subscribe. And we will see you all and talk to you all next Friday for a brand new episode of the Beats and Speaks podcast at midnight Eastern time. All right, I've been Lee Dickey. You guys have been wonderful. We will see you all next week. Have a good one. Peace. Ttdicky.com